quarantine, you know the vibes. Zoom. What's up? This is D Smoke, and this is Quarantine Questions with Rap TV. Yeah. You can quarantine the body, but you can't quarantine my soul. Yo, what's good, y'all? We got D Smoke in the building, virtually, of course. You might know him from being the winner of the Netflix show Rhythm and Flow featuring Cardi B, Chance, and T.I. His music video for Black Habits has 8.4 million views on YouTube, and his other music video with Snoop Dogg for the song Gaspar Yanga has 8.3 million views. I'd like to welcome you to Quarantine Questions, bro, with Rap TV. I'm your host, Pro the Goat. What's going on, man? How's it going? What's going on, pro man? I'm doing excellent, man. Given the uh, circumstances, I'm just keeping my head up. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, we 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 can't start the interview without talking about this. So first things first, just having an honest heart to heart right now, like all these things going down in America with George Floyd and the protests. Like, what's your take on it, man? Um, my take is that um, I, I forget whose whose quote it is, but they said uh, that protesting or riots are the language of the masses right one i'm gonna go ahead and say that a lot of the riots aren't um the perpetrators of the riots aren't the people that the media would like us to believe it is right you got all kind of different groups of people people who aren't from these communities and so mm -hmm. what they like to paint the picture they like to paint is that oh now black people are destroying their own communities out of anger and that's ignorant like no that's not us you know so um but nonetheless you know, even even given a certain amount of destruction, when people start to express that degree of anger, it still do, it still pales in comparison to the hurt that they've endured at the hand of you know crooked cops and whatnot. So um, I completely understand what the frustration that people feel. I've felt it myself. You know, I've had a chance to make it out to some of the marches. Um, but as an artist, I think my primary contribution is to create art that helps people to continue to see themselves in a higher light. Um, think critically about the world they live in and address it and uh, to, in order to change it in the ways that they can. So um, we're in a special moment, man. It's, it's, it's a crazy energy that we have. I'm just, uh, I'm hopeful that we can sustain that energy so that we can really alter, you know, the world we live in. No doubt. And Ice Cube even came out and had so many things to say on Twitter, like just about, you know, making changes and stuff. Like in your opinion, what do you think the solution is for the whole police brutality? Okay, well, yeah, if we're, if we're addressing police brutality as a symptom, right? Police brutality isn't the sickness, right? The mm. sickness is a false ideology of white supremacy that causes people to devalue people of darker skin color. And that comes, that's in so many different systems. That's in the educational system, that's in mm -hmm. economics, that's in politics, and then police brutality is a symptom. That's the sneeze, that's not the, diagnosis right mm -hmm. but if we're just going to address that if, if we need a, a, a single pill to solve the police brutality issue one of the first things we have to do is hold police accountable right there, it's a huge problem when you can have police on camera committing murder and still get off in court somehow right mm -hmm. um that you know the court system the court case becomes about semantics rather than do what's right um mm -hmm. so when, when police start getting found guilty and treated as a citizen would if it were the other way around, right? If nice. someone killed a cop, you wouldn't have, there wouldn't be a, an extended court case if there was video footage. They, mm -hmm. would be, they would be given the greatest sentence ever. Well, it should be the same way around because their job is to protect the people. Um, secondly, we really need to consider how do we, how do we create police? What is, what is the means by which somebody goes from a citizen or a civilian to a police officer? How are they mm -hmm. recruited? What, what types of things entice people to be police officers, right? So um, if, I'm in, if I'm in a gang and I've had encounters with the police where it's, like, um, where it's like I'm documented as a gang member, I can never mm -hmm. become a police officer, right? But why mm -hmm. is it that people can have a history of activity in racist hate organizations like the KKK and still become police officers and then leave their town and go be police in a, in a city that, where the population is nothing like them, right? right? So that's a major problem. How do people become police? Addressing that. And then what is expected of them? What does it mean to even have police? Like it needs mm -hmm. complete restructuring. You need people from the community, you know, 
uh, not policing, but building and, and, you know, patrolling, so to speak. Uh, checks and balances in some way. Yeah, yeah, right? checks and balances. So um, it's a whole lot that needs to be addressed for that. But the primary thing is uh, the, the news is bought. So the news is a major medium for spreading lies about, about us, about people of color. You know, and that is what allows these racist ideologies to continue in all these places where, you know, these rural towns where people don't have to have human inter interaction with people mm -hmm. who are different from them. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, but that's a that's a large problem. That's a big problem. Yeah, and even as, even like talking about police brutality being a, a, a symptom of the larger issue at hand, um, you got a chance to even see it from the educational perspective, right? Like not only as a student in, in that in that school, but also as a teacher, as far as not getting enough resources and having to fight for every dollar you guys are getting, right? Like, what was the biggest difference being a student and being a teacher in that environment? Well, I mean, being a student, so. At Inglewood, as a student, you know, I just thought everything, it just was what it was. I didn't know why. It's like, hey, it's, it's on me to pull myself up by the bootstraps and get up out of there. Mm -hmm. But then going to college and realizing my homies ain't here, you know, and it's a specific reason why they're not, you know, about like mm -hmm. redlining of districts and how funds are allocated to schools and, you know, how many people own stocks in privately owned prisons you know it's in their interest to push a narrative that keeps niggas in jail you know learning about crack being dropped dropped off in the in the black community that shit is what really allowed me to think of uh think of things differently and then as a teacher you know you still you end up doing the hardest work you'll ever do in your life because you're really working first if you're teaching in the hood you're working to shape mindsets Right, mm -hmm. you, just to get them to learn Spanish, you already got to challenge their biases about themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, think they're not smart, right? So um, that's some of the that's some heavy lifting. So you go home hella tired. Then when your check come, you like, oh shit, how to how I'm supposed to? <laughs> I'm yeah. supposed to make this shit work. Like, I'm hurting. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I used to come. I used to get checks like after a whole month of working, thirty days, well, twenty days a week, and it would be like. 2400 you know what i'm saying that's crazy and, well rent 1200 you know yeah. what i'm saying um car note 500 insurance 200 that shit chips you know groceries mm -hmm. travel you know so it, it's a it's a cold game yeah no doubt and then you also have to like always remind yourself why you're even doing it in the first place right like it has to be a bigger purpose that for even to have you continue to be in that position because they're only going to allocate so much money for you and you still have to be there and still teach the kids and still have a positive attitude on a daily basis right 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 they should do teaching on commission like how many you <laughs> yeah. change life you know what i'm saying you get bread i'll be paid if, if my quality as a teacher reflected how much or, or uh, affected how much money i made i'll be i'll be rich you know what I'm saying? Facts, facts. Because I was affected, no but, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I'm switching gears real quick, too, man. I just wanted to say congratulations on um, on Black Habits. You dropped that a few months ago, right? Yes, I did. Thank you, bro. Man, what was the feedback on it? I know your fans was, like, waiting for it. Like, Hey, man, it's well-received. What I'm, um, the best feedback, you know, a couple of things I love to hear is people, when people hit me, like, hey, man, you're different. Like, that's a high, that's a high compliment to me. Or when people are like, man, I don't even know what my favorite is, or I, I don't skip any tracks. Like those are, that's mm -hmm. the goal as an artist, you know. Um, we could easily go in the studio and set out to be like, oh, I need something for the radio, or I need some, something for this. But type of dude that I am coming from an educational background, I'm like, let's create a body of work that shapes people in the way that, you know, ATLians shaped me, or Baduism shaped me, or, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Those bodies of work that really influence you know, people and how they view themselves, you know, so that's what Black mm -hmm. Habits was meant to do, you know, and, and get the audience to feel like they know me a little more after hearing. Facts. And then, like, did you have a mindset going into it? Like, man, I got to create a classic or was it just like organically as you were putting together the records? It was um, it was organically. It was organically. I also got a team. My uh, one of my managers, his name is DJ Shanks. He's just one of those old souls very wise people in the game and a lot of the songs that 
I felt like were giving people too much about my personal life. Those are the ones he challenged me to like, no, go ahead, put them on there. You know, cause mm -hmm. Black Habits got 14 songs. We must've had 34 to choose from just for mm -hmm. that project, you know? And that's 34 that we liked, you know what I'm right. saying? Not just, not just 34, we did more than that. But, um, so it was, everything we did was intentional, but it, it, it didn't come about one song at a time, me being like, okay, this song is gonna be this. It was just a lot of just like organically letting it happen. And then once you got enough playing that, that puzzle, you know what I'm saying? Where are we gonna put what and what story yeah. does it tell? Yeah, and I remember um, hearing, hearing J. Cole say like, sometimes like, don't let them, don't let them know too much or just don't, don't give too much of yourself out there, right? Like when it comes to that and being personal on a record, have you had a record in the past where it was too close to home or it was too personal and you didn't put it out? Oh, um, I wouldn't say I didn't put it out. I put out a record that's too close to home. You know what I'm saying? I put out mm -hmm. Like My Daddy. You know what I'm saying? That's on Black Habits and that's that's close to home. That's the one I was like, man, it's too early to let them that far into my world. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? But then when the fans, when the fans respond or when, when people like, what, like holding, one of my homies sent me a video of, his two-year-old son, like, holding his hand, walking, listening to, like, my daddy. Kid could barely talk, but he, mm -hmm. he's singing along. You know what I'm saying? Like, music is supposed to do that, you know? So, right. um, you know, that's the one that, that I felt like, yeah, I'm giving him too much. Or it was another one. Um, you know, I, I can't remember right now, but. And, and having, that, having that personal side of you, is that something you wanted to accomplish differently on this project? versus your past ones, like like letting people know who you are? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I want it to be personal because um, I feel like we had a really, a really big look coming off of a show like Rhythm and Flow. But I think mm -hmm. what people, what, what an average artist would tend to do is try to maintain a certain level of celebrity by putting out music that lends to their popularity versus mm -hmm. stepping back and telling the full story from the beginning, you know? So that mm -hmm. was what, that's what we set out to do. Um, because now it's not about, you know, sometimes artists be like, what type of songs do I make in order to be edgy, to be, mm -hmm. to, to garner a certain type of support from either, you know, the blogs or the, uh, or the radio stations. So then they start creating with that in mind. Whereas I'm like, all right, we got millions of people watching right now. Already, where are, yeah. we gonna take them? where are we gonna take them? You know what I'm saying? So um, that's, I think that was the blessing where I didn't have to compromise, so to speak, in order to make some noise, right? We, I've, I've done records where it's like, hey, we gotta make some noise, you know? Um, but, but this time we didn't have to. And we plan on doing that again, you know? Facts, facts. And a lot of people don't really even know this, but the song Gaspar Yanga was actually named after an African man who was sold into slavery in Mexico. And then he led a group of slaves into freedom and successfully resisted an attack of his colony from the Spaniards back in 1609, right? Yes, he did. Very well put. Yeah. And, and, and why was that so important for you to like name the song that or, or associate the song with that? Absolutely. Um, well, well, I think we had that name in the bag for a minute before we got the beat, before we wrote the song, it was like, that's why that's why we're going we gonna to figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. Finally, when the beat came along, I wrote the whole song because we never say Gasparianga in the song, you know, um, I wrote the entire song and was just living with the energy. And I was like, wait, this is, even though what's funny is it's a Bulgarian sample from this, from a girls choir. And it's basically about a coming of age. But the energy, when I hear it, just based on the chords, it's almost like tribal war cry. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I felt like that was a perfect place to just draw the attention to that story, that background. And what, what made it fit the song, even though we never said Gasparianga, is it's this kind of revolutionary Black dude in the Spanish world, in a Spanish city, you know what I'm saying? Defending both, you know? Yes. So you drew comparisons from it in your own life? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Inglewood, what's crazy is Inglewood is, a, uh, is like damn near half and half black and Latino. And there were times when it was a lot of beef between um, not so much the blacks and the Latinos, but the black gangs and the, uh, the Latino gangs, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
Um, even though you guys shared a lot of the same struggles and a lot of the same issues, like there was still that friction. I mean, but that friction, that friction is instigated and is is carried in from from jail. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, um, so you have a lot of gang members going in and out of jail. And then they're letting the hoods know, like, hey, man, in jail, we don't fuck with them, so y'all can be fucking with them out, out here. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, when in actuality, as a, on a just very human level, from people to people, community to community, the, the same disconnect isn't as visible, at least. You know, and then, of course, with the kids, there's so much overlap, like dating and skaters mm -hmm. and this and that, and ballers and different teams, soccer players. And then you got black Latinos coming in, you know, too. Mm -hmm. So, um, but within the gangs, because they're going in and out of county jail, where it's intentionally separated that way and instigated from the guards and all that shit, mm -hmm. then, you know, the gangs are like, hey, man, you can't be out here fuck with them. Or or just be on some, like, fuck them all together, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. that's but, where that comes from. Okay, cool. And I mean, and honestly, like, since, since it is quarantine questions, you know, we got to ask you, like, what have you been doing during this whole like lockdown situation? You know what I mean? Like outside of the protests and, and making your voice heard. Uh, I've been making music. I've been making music. I've been exercising. Um, you know what I'm saying? I put on a good like uh, seven pounds, you feel me? Uh, <laughs> seven pounds of muscle, you feel me? But no, I've been working out and, and doing music. I'm, I'm close to, I'm about 70% done with a, an entirely new project. So I just got some more things to piece together. Nice, nice. And have has it slowed anything down? Or like, have you supposed to been going on tour or shows or anything like that? Man, man, I had a. Uh, we've we've postponed. Let's say we didn't miss any dates. Mm -hmm. They're still gonna happen, but we've postponed anywhere from over the course of two, three months. Fifty shows. Jeez. You know what I'm saying? And and that's that's at least thirty in the states five or so in Europe, uh, a tour around the major uh, markets in Australia, some places in mm -hmm. Africa. Like we were, we were on pace to go everywhere. So is that we, postponed we, to the yeah, fall? It's about a million dollars year. in a couple months that we did. <laughs> no exaggeration. <laughs> That's crazy. And so the postponing of them, have they been rescheduled for the fall or was it next year? Or like, what are you guys looking at? We have agreements with the venues. Um, we're like we got first dibs because we already okay. had those uh, negotiations in place you know so my agency is is still holding out you know first dibs so that we can get out you know our first opportunity okay facts and also man growing up i know you come from a musical family um did you and sir ever have a group together coming up like in high school or absolutely it wasn't it wasn't just me and sir it's me sir and my brother davion so um, okay. Since we were little, we've been singing three-part harmony, playing instruments, all that stuff. You know, my mom is a minister of music. My grandmother was an artist. My uncle's a, a world-renowned bass player, black play for Shaka Khan and, you know, Prince Damn. and all kind of people. Beyonce, Destiny Child, like, he's played for everybody. So as kids, we were just kind of like the younger generation of, mm -hmm. you know, the family. And uh, we were actually signed to DreamWorks as a group oh, wow. called okay. in, in 3 d you know, so it's Davion, Daniel, and Daryl in 3D. And, um, and you know, we got dropped because the guy who signed us, um, he he got sick. And all his artists got dropped. Oh, damn. Well, did you guys get to good, put together a project or anything? Or? Yeah, we was, we was a, a good six songs into a project. You know, some of them back. Yeah, so. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Oh, duh. And, and it's, it's better. It's better. better. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Everything happens for a reason. And and speaking of the names too, like D Smoke and Sir, like at what point did y'all come up with that? Like Sir is um is Daryl's actual first name. So it's you know, Sir oh, okay. Daryl Ferris, you know. And yeah. um I'm my my actual name is Daniel, you know, so mm -hmm. um but D Smoke was a name that was given to me by my older homie whose name is Smoke. Um his his real name is Ray. But, you know, he was like, big smoke, I'm young smoke. We used to go to his house, you know, after school, mm -hmm. do our homework, play chess, eat tacos and shit, and just chill over there. But, you know, he just used to look after me and my young crew who was kind of following in their footsteps. So, um, but he just saw the leader in me, so he he started calling me smoke, you know, young D smoke. 
on some on some Jazzo Jay Z type shit. Is that what it was? <laughs> exactly. No doubt. And then speaking of, you know, having a musical family um, and eventually creating your independent label, Will Works with your family and signing publishing deals. Uh, what was the first major success that y'all found in that? I mean, the first major success, I guess, was being signed. You know, we celebrated mm -hmm. that moment. And then um, after that, I wrote a song for Jaheem called Never. And that was like, we heard that on the radio all the time. It plays on adult radio to this day. Mm -hmm. It's it gets synced, you know, into different things still, you know, and um, because it's kind of one of those timeless love records, you know, it it just has a, a long lifespan. Um, mm -hmm. So that was the first major success. You know, my whole deal, I recouped that three, four times over just off that one song. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what's up. Um, yeah, so it was cool. And I was young, you know, 19, seeing $30,000 checks every quarter. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Plus you know, some checks here and there. So um, that was that was our first major success. Then we, you know, stuff here and there. I did a song for Joe, the Pussycat Dolls. We worked with Lloyd, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I wrote a song for Usher. Um, so we were just, we were active in that scene, but it was just right up into the verge of like breaking into like, these are the top writers in the whole industry. Mm -hmm, no doubt. And and then the songs were for Lloyd and Usher are those songs that we know like that are on the, like we're on the radio. The song for Lloyd is uh, in the A or Round okay. My Way. He got two different verses. This is how we do it, Round My Way. Yeah, and then, you know my brother Dave took the lead on that song. Usher was a song called Echo, and then oh, um, that one leaked in between Confessions and the project. I think the project was called Moving Mountains. You know, oh, so um, but we worked with Brian Michael Cox for that. You know, so, um, but that's something you can't find on the internet and stuff too. They're still out there floating around. No doubt, and then and then also seeing seeing Sir kind of take off too. Like that must have been a proud moment too, right, for the family. Absolutely, you know, because um, Sir Sir is one of those dudes that just stayed down. You know, when when literally we had a storefront in Inglewood, and it was it was like storage for construction materials, and we gutted it, built it up, put in hardwood floor kind of like the brick paneling that you have on the wall. We put that up on the wall, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Mirrors and, and built the studio upstairs. So we got the storefront downstairs and we could record upstairs. And Sir, day in, day out, helped me with everything from renting mm. saws and cutting wood and sanding it down and, you Damn. know, all kind of shit. And then, um, and then shortly after that time period, you know, out of that studio, we started recording projects. Okay. So he was putting his own projects out left and right. And then, you know, he, he got with this smaller, uh, this smaller label and that kind of built up his, his profile on SoundCloud. And that's mm -hmm. how TDE caught wind of them. And then they signed it. What was the song? What was the song that they, that they discovered or the song that really made them look into him? Um, he had a couple things out. He had put out, uh, I want to say he put out seven Sundays. Okay. Um, this seven Sundays project and it wasn't any one song, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of our like common identity. It's like we're not being like, oh, this song put me on. It's like bodies yeah, yeah, yeah. of work. So he had seven Sundays and then he put out a Dilla commemorative uh project that got major love, you know. Dope. So um that's how they call win. Dope, dope. And then also here's a question I really wanted to ask you, because I have friends of mine who are really dope artists and rappers with good music, but never really seem to blow up, right? And you spoke on on this a little bit, transitioning from creating really good music and then trying to find a platform to get people to see it and get people to like really listen to it. What changed between, all right, I'm going to focus on creating this incredible bodies of work and then, all right, now I got to switch gears and like get eyes on it. You know what I mean? Like, like what was that transition like? Um, you, it's, it's when you find yourself in the right space, when you're like, okay, this is the music I want to put out. You mm -hmm. care about it so much. It, it takes over that idea of like, I just got to put something out. Right. When you really mm -hmm. make the music that you know, is like, Oh, the world needs to hear this. Then you get strategic about how you put it out because you're like, if once I let this go, I've blown the moment, so to speak, or I dropped mm -hmm. the ball. So I have to build up mm -hmm. to, to a moment where it'll be in front of the right amount of eyes. Right. So I think it was me making the music that was like, oh, this is it. This is this is the, the version of myself that I want to present to the world. 
So mm-hmm. when I when I started doing that, then I was like, okay, um, I kind of put on my marketing hat. Like, what's going to distinguish me from other artists? So I did a uh, I did a series called Run the Subtitles, and and that was me rapping in English and Spanish with the subtitles on both both languages. So when I'm in English, I'm the Spanish subtitles. When I'm in Spanish, the English subtitles, and um, and that started getting some some notable shares on Instagram. That kind of started to slowly build the profile. Now my goal, and that was I had done like 15 weeks worth by the time mm-hmm. Rhythm and Flow hit me up. Like, hey, oh, okay. we come into this. Like, we want you to be a part of this. Submit your application. Boom, boom. And so, but in my head, I was like, I'm gonna do this for 52 weeks. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I'm gonna do this for an entire year as we continue to make music. Yeah. And I think that because that's what that's what builds people up, whether it yeah. be on social networking, you know, uh, SoundCloud, that's what's gonna tell people, oh, one, he's serious about this. Yeah, I've heard enough to where I, I know who you are and can distinguish mm-hmm. you from other people. And um and you know, you're not going nowhere, you feel me? So yeah. it distinguishes you from the from the casuals, you know, people like, Yeah, I do music too. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And 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 then was that whole flipping it into Spanish and rapping in English and Spanish was that something that you always kind of knew was 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 a part of of you that would attract attention ever since you know you were at Whiskey a Go Go and you did that and then the crowd reacted crazy like like was that always something you held because of that? Absolutely. I mean, it's. It's it's kind of like an extension of how people responded to me in the classroom, right? Mm-hmm. When I was in the classroom and people walked into their Spanish class the first day of class, and they kept looking, they saw me, you know, in a tie <laughs> and shit at the desk, and kept looking. Like, it's like, okay, that must be a nerd student standing waiting for the teacher. Like, no, yeah. I'm the teacher. You know what I'm saying? And then once yeah. you start speaking Spanish, and they like mind blown like that's the response you want to yeah. you want to get to your music like distinguish you know always distinguish yourself like the uh 22 immutable laws of marketing says be first you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying what it, what and if you're not first create a new category and be first at that you know right. so um for me that's that's a lot of things first winner rhythm and flow first mm-hmm. non-native spanish speaker of african descent you know who's going big in an authentic way, not just on some uh, gimmick you know, shit. Like you're actually go Andre, rapping. And then go, like, <laughs> yeah. nah, we're getting down, you know, so. Yeah, um, no doubt, no doubt, man. Yeah, and then looking back too, I'm sure you had your own personal trials and tribulations throughout your career too. Like, I want to know if there was a moment in time that you could think back to that made you almost want to quit. Like, was there something that happened? Man, I didn't, it was it was a couple of things. My homie who who I started rapping with because before I was writing songs, I played keys, I was r- producing. But the homie who uh, I was rapping with, his name is Chiz. You know, Chiz. We started this group called Park Circle, and then um, we had put out a project called uh, The Colors of My City. Inglewood picked it up, loved it. We were shooting videos ourselves, put on you know doing release party events, people showing up by the hundreds, you know, so we just had this local buzz that we was picking up and probably a couple months mm-hmm. into us starting the group, um, he got diagnosed with uh, lymphoma, a form of cancer. Wow. So for several years, we, we put out the first project and was almost done with the second project. We kind of, you know, a couple, uh, a couple business opportunities came to us. And to, to me, it didn't look anything like we said, like what we said we wanted, right? Mm-hmm. If we were getting a certain deal or whatever, a certain structure, we want these kind of things in there. Like that show that we're in the right deal, not just in any deal. Mm-hmm. But he was at a place in his life where it was like, bro, I don't, he literally told me one time, I don't know how much time I got left. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it, yeah. it forced us to really look at like, damn, like I've got my, my bro fighting for his life while mm-hmm. writing crazy raps. I'm talking about rapping his ass off, sometimes from the hospital bed. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, and coming home, as soon as he come home, he'll send me like five that day, because he been right. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 chemo yeah. and radiation and stem cell transplants and shit. Long story short, he ended up passing, you know what I'm saying, in, uh, in 2011. Damn. In 2011, 
he passes, I ain't write a rap for a year. You know what I'm saying? Like not a rap. Yeah. And then um the next one I wrote, uh, you know, the first line uh was the greatest ever, not just because I'm better, but because I work more nights than David Letter. Inglewood taught me never to fear, man. Single am I and I'm gonna kill. Like going off, you know, so mm-hmm. once I once I opened back up, it was like I was a better rapper, like at that moment. You know, cause keeping one hundred, he was killing me on the verses. And I was the producer coming up yeah. with the dope ass hooks and shit and yeah, gathering yeah, the yeah, beats yeah, and yeah. organizing. But as a rapper, like and y'all can go find it. Like if you look up Park Circle online, you'll find some shit between me and Chiz. You know, it's still up. Yeah, man, my condolences. And and also like, you know, I know you taught at a few different schools as well. Um and Casey Veggies was actually one of your students, man. Like, how was he in class? Casey Veggies, Casey Veggies is, is extremely smart, right? So he would, he would ask questions that get at like what you're about to say, like, oh, you going here with that, right? Okay, got yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? Because he's not trying to, he's really trying to write raps in class. So he's, mm-hmm. you know, in, in inner city schools, you teach something, by the, within the first 20 minutes of class, you've taught it. The rest yeah. of it is working through it, answering questions around it, boom, boom, boom. But he's like, I'm going to make sure I get it the first time. So I can finish it, set that to the side, and be literally writing raps in class. And you can walk by and be like, all right, I see. And I let him do his thing. Casey yeah. Veggies, his first day, his first day in my class in the 11th grade, he came and uh, he reached in his backpack and pulled out a fully packaged CD. Fully packaged artwork, everything. Oh, shit. I think it was even shrink wrap. The mixtape? Yeah, so Casey Veggies, uh... I think it was an album, bro. Like, I don't think it was on some mixtape shit. Like, Damn. I think it was like, this is my body of work. Yeah. And so um, I went home and I listened to it. And I remember coming back like, young man, you know what I'm saying? You do your shit. And then after that, we just had a different a different type of relationship. Like, he, because he, he didn't, he wasn't on the stuff that other students was on. He already had a yeah. vision. He already knew this is what I'm going to do. Right? And Did he, uh, ask he still you to graduated with 3.5. Um, oh, word. Um, well, I, I forget what it was, but his the one after that was see, sleeping in class. And he took mm-hmm. that picture at my desk. So if you look up <laughs> sleeping in class, up top, it's like a red poncho spread over the thing and a sombrero. That's a Spanish yeah. He's at my desk with a little oh, spot. Like, true story. And so it was, it was times where, you know, we would just walk the campus like grown-ass men because we both was in the same grind. He had mm-hmm. MTV film the graduation and do a story on him at Inglewood's graduation. Like that's oh, how shit. ahead he was, you know? So that's yeah, he was in my class. That's, that's my crazy. Um, did you guys ever do a track together or not around that time? Like, hmm? Yeah, we did. Okay. So like when I told you, um, the homie Chiz who passed, mm-hmm. me and Chiz went to, uh, went to Brazil. We was working on a second project called Black Gold and we released a single but hadn't released the project yet. Um, so we shot our part of the video in Brazil. So it's like documentary style. When I came back mm-hmm. in town, um, you know, we sent the song to CV. It was like, we'll shoot yours in Inglewood up against the, the mural on the side of Inglewood High, which is like the face of mm-hmm. a Native American. So cutting back and forth between the colors in Brazil, the people in Brazil to that, it was like an easy transition. And it, it actually worked. So all that's still up there. That's tight, man. That's tight. And did he ever tell you about Tyler, the Creator, and Frank Ocean in school? Because I know it was around the high school times. Right. Um, not so much. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I wasn't trying to be like, oh, man, put me on this or that. We was like two people that, like, our grinds, yeah. the beauty of it is our grind never required each other. Like, he never mm-hmm. reached out and be like, hey, can you give me studio time? Because that's, that's how most people think it works. Like, network mm-hmm. so you could use they. No, network mm-hmm. so you could have a, a, a connection with the people, but the mm-hmm. business element is yours to build. And so we never really was like, oh, put me up with them or do that for mm-hmm. me. It's like me, we homies, so we might do music. But other than that, like, you know, we just two two men, you know what I'm saying? Facts, facts. And then being a Spanish teacher too, like I know you majored in Spanish literature, right? What, what made you decide to do that? Like, Man, I started off majoring in business economics and, um, and I, uh, while when I went into college, I was just purely competitive, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't need I didn't need an incentive to, to do well. I didn't need even to be passionate about what I was learning to do well because I was just competitive. But once I discovered what I was passionate about, like I got a job working in the community, 
then it started to matter what I was learning because I, my time was so limited. I was like, man, I'm not going to be studying some shit that don't really affect the things that I want to affect, you know? So mm-hmm. grades started dropping in those, in those classes. I started uh, putting more energy over here cause I'm writing songs too. And then, um, and also, you know, what you learning in economics, part of that is the science of how to control the masses. So I felt like, well, shit, the masses is my people. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm learning the science of how to manipulate the general population. So I don't mm-hmm. really fuck with that either. But then um, I'm taking Spanish classes just as my prereqs, you know, or as my GE mm-hmm. requirements. But I go beyond what's required of me. Like after Spanish three, I could have quit and be like, okay, that's my GE. But I was like, mm-hmm. no, I want to learn. You know, I'm, I'm getting good. So I could do Spanish four, five, six, Spanish 25, yeah. 105. Then the, then the literature, the, the Spanish literature uh, series is like, 17th century, 18th century, 19th century Spanish literature. Mm-hmm. And that's when my classes became entirely in Spanish. And that's when I realized like, oh shit, I'm becoming fluent like right here and now. And then I just didn't yeah. turn back. And I was like, fuck it, fuck the economics major. You know, I'm going yeah. full fledged. And, and, and is the language something that you just feel like you're naturally good at? Or like you already kind of had an idea? I'm, I'm naturally, I'm naturally enticed by it. I, I, I like it. Like, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. language. Like, when you hear it, it's like, that shit's smooth. You know what I'm saying? How it moves is, is dope to me. I've always liked it. Um, but it's something I worked at. You feel me? Like, yeah, for sure. I, 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 I immersed myself in the Spanish world long before I left California. Like, you could, mm-hmm. you could be dual immersed right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. turn the Spanish radio on, turn on Spanish TV, holler at your Spanish friends, listen to Spanish music. Like, mm-hmm. if I wanted to learn French right here, it'd be a little bit harder because it's like, ain't shit in yeah. French in Inglewood. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That wasn't the case. So I, I definitely worked for it. Yeah, no doubt. And then as far as your career goes, man, fast forward to, to Rhythm and Flow and everything. I know they kind of reached out to you because of the Run the Subtitles series you had. Um, but kind of walk us through that 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 initial reaction to to wanting to be on the show or having them want you to be on the show and then trying to weigh the pros and cons of being on a show like that right so um the person my my friend bianca bibbs is who reached out to me um and i hadn't met her prior to but you know we've since become Mm -hmm. friends she um she was like hey it's the show i can't even tell you much about it but submit your application It, it could be a very huge you know opportunity for exposure you know submit your application just submit links to videos pictures and you know a little bit of background information on yourself I was like all right that's easy enough boom I have all of that ready so I send it off not expecting nothing I'm actually in a classroom at this charter school uh, called high school for recording arts you know and it's kind of like I founded I helped found the chapter or the the branch of high school for recording arts in Los Angeles so I'm at work doing this and then they slowly roll out the information. I think they mm-hmm. told us who the judges were going to be first. So they was like, they got Chance the Rapper, Cardi B and T.I. So that kind of had me weighing things out like, okay, hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I could see, I could see T.I. looking at me and being like, oh, that's a real, yeah. I, could see, yeah. I could see Chance being like, oh, he, he lyrical. I like it. Or, and I could yeah. see Cardi being like, that motherfucker speaks real Spanish, you know? So yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything I did was strategic. I knew it was gonna be rappers. Like, and I'm like, I can't worry about another rapper, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna approach it a certain way. So um, that's that kind of played into me deciding to go along with it. And then um, when they said it's gonna be on Netflix, the, the idea of it being international, the idea of it, you know, not having the same restrictions, right? Because I was like, Mm-hmm. If it's some ABC type stuff, some mainstream television, you know, dancing with the star shit, I was like, hell no, nah. mm-hmm. you know, I'm not fucking, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't going for the voice, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. with it being on Netflix, you know, let Netflix let some raunchy ass shit on Netflix, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah. oh, for sure, this might be, this might be what we need. So um, those are the things that went into me really considering it. However, you know, after I still had to audition for producers. And these producers mm-hmm. aren't, you know, hip hop heads. These are people yeah. who have, who, who produce reality television. 
So they're yeah, yeah. still looking for a certain formula. And that kind of mm-hmm. turned me off a little bit. And then, then when I got the contract that said, anything that we record, we can use. Basically, you can't yeah. be like, oh, I had a terrible moment and then go holler at them like, don't use it. Like, yeah, 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 they're gonna use whatever, yeah. If I stumble and fall and bust my shit off stage, they're, they're gonna, gonna run with the cameras and capture the blood leaking out of my shit. Like, they're gonna be like, oh, great moment. You know, this is the drama yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, I'm not gonna put myself in a position to be made a fool of. Like, that's gonna, I'm gonna have so much to work against if, yeah. if you have those kind of moments. That's why part of our game plan was like, all right, we know this is a drug deal, right? Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers on the other side, if they see any side of weakness, then they'll use it against us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, we also know what we got. And, mm-hmm. and by we, I'm like, I'm, I consult with my team. I was already ready to drop projects. I was already doing it, mm-hmm. like we was already building. Um, so it was very consciously that I decided to be like, all right, we gonna do it. And that's why you see me in the early half, like, and during all the little little playful moments or like, you know, social moments in the back where everybody's trying to get mm-hmm. to know each other, I'm off somewhere else. Yeah, you're you chilling. Yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna catch me. I'm not here to make a fool of myself. You know, yeah, I got right. G's that I gotta answer to in the city. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's gonna be like, hey man, why you make us look like some busters? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so right. you won't catch me doing that. Even after my performance, like I wasn't even to be keeping 100, my whole mindset, People, people think that it's like, oh, he has so much composure and poise. But my mindset is like, I'm not even here to be judged. So mm-hmm. this is a technicality. You know what I'm saying? This is a formality. I'm staying here. Y'all can say whatever y'all want. Yeah. And when it's done, I'm You're not looking for validation. You know you got good shit. Period. It's displaying it, right? I know it's going to connect. So, um, But the beauty of that is, you know, the, the respect that I was shown by the judges that was felt, mm-hmm. that was sincere. It was so many, so many moments where I forgot the cameras were there. I forgot mm-hmm. the cameras mm-hmm. were there when, when they was giving me feedback, when, when Snoop hollered at me. That was a man-to-man moment. It just happened mm-hmm. to be an audience, but you know, I knew what that was, he knew what that was, so, um, right, so, right. so yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and then as far as like you saying, a lot of those producers were actually reality show producers. Like, did they try to stir up drama? Did they try to get you guys to argue with each other and stuff? They didn't have to. We're we're in a reality TV era. You know what I'm saying? Just by mm-hmm. nature of the age of people auditioning on a show, people mm-hmm. know that activity is yeah. attention. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So people where they're that's how people hide their, or expose their insecurities. It's like, oh, I'm gonna be the loud one today, you know, mm-hmm. outside of the performance. You know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, and then so, but you know, you saw what happened to the people who was yeah. causing the most. And personalities clash too, also, right? So there's that. Yeah, absolutely. No and then us us watching it from home too, bro, like, you know, you have shows like American Idol, like you said, like The Voice and stuff, and, and people look at shows like that, like, oh, it's rigged. They already had the winner in the back. You know what I mean? Like, he was going to win anyway. Um, obviously, you're talented. That's not even negotiable. Like, But what do you say to people that, that, that say, like, oh, uh, Rhythm and Flow, they already knew he was going to win the whole time? Um, I didn't. So they could say however they feel. But, you know, the, the beauty of it is you can watch those decisions being made. You know, they put the cameras mm-hmm. in the studio. You know, you can see adjustments being made. You can see the feedback. You see, you know what I'm saying, mistakes being made. So um, people, people who criticize, that's what they're good at. They, they're good at criticizing. They, yeah. don't, they don't make music, you know what I'm saying? So there's not much to be said to the people who come up with those theories as to why, trying to, trying to discredit what it is. Like, fuck them. Yeah, yeah. And, and us watching at home, too, like I said, a lot of, a lot of the stuff does get edited. We're, we're sitting there in the moment as if it's just happening, but this shit was recorded months ago. Like, like when, you sat, when you sat at home and you watched it back, what were some of the parts that they, they didn't put on or, or some of the parts that were, like, impactful to you that you were like, oh, I wish they, oh, they should have put this on there? It was one moment where, and it's not majorly impactful, but um, there, was a, there was an artist, and I ain't gonna say no names, but backstage when we were in the cypher they gave us a beats pill and um we we're in groups of four or five 
and they had everybody writing to the to the same beat per your group and um and so but you could they also sent us the uh the beat so you could like choose to put on headphones and be in your own space but i'm over there with my group and the challenge is not to write a rap together or some shit like that but people are you know that everybody trying to be social they excited and nervous mm-hmm. and shit so this dude is just freestyling right and i'm like okay whatever what i gotta do with me right then he puts the beat then he puts the pill all in my face like are right, you freestyle now smoke i'm like nigga i'm in my zone nigga. get the fuck out my face bro and and the producers they caught it and then Later, they laughed because it was like, yeah, that was a real moment, right? So yeah. that was one I was like, I think that would have been cool to put on a show because it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people got to know what it is. It's not all that, like, oh, we we homies, so we going to cipher together all the time. Like, it's so many dope-ass rappers who don't yeah. have careers, you know? Thanks. So. Thanks. Yeah, no doubt. And then, and then and then seeing somebody like Cardi B be on the show, like I remember watching and like she's just so hilarious and like everything <laughs> she's so funny, right? Like being in the show and watching her live, I'm sure a lot of that stuff was just in you know, instinctive of her like just just to say stuff like do you remember like the funniest Cardi B moment and maybe it wasn't even aired or something? I mean, the the funniest one was aired. You probably saw the funniest stuff cuz that's those are the things that have the highest probability, other than the, the performance itself, the highest probability yeah. of making the edit, right? Yeah, they yeah, make yeah. funny comments and shit. So, but when Cardi B told, oh boy, she, he was hanging on by a vagina hair, that's, <laughs> that just had me, I was dying laughing on the spot, like, damn, you know, she did him wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I bet. Would, would you go on again if they do like a, a, a two, like a rhythm and flow two? Oh, you talk about, oh, not to compete. No, 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 no. Like to come back as like you were the winner, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 okay. I believe I will. You know, I hope. I hope to. I thought you were saying would I compete a second time if it was. Oh like, nah, you don't need to. Like, man, you're I good. Did my thing, bro. Like, don't put me yeah, you back through that. Yeah, no, no um, doubt. Yeah, I will come back. Absolutely. It's it's that's a unique experience, and um, for people who have done their homework and done put in their ten thousand hours, I think it makes mm-hmm. sense. A lot of artists come off the show and have a, a, a whole new platform that they can use to build, but then mm. it's theirs to strategize and use and build with, you know, so. But, but. And, and who was your favorite artist on the show outside of yourself, obviously? Uh, outside of myself, I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna have to say Old Man Saxon. Hey, he's creative as shit. He's creative. Man, if you look at Old Man Saxon's, um, and I and it's I love it's so many of them that are dope. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the final four are the final four by no accident. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but uh Old Man Saxon is it is so creative and different, you know, and I think right. that more than like skilled, I think being creative and different um is gonna move the culture forward. And and so that's forward. something I I want to do, and I admire in him because he does it in a way completely different than I do. So, no doubt. And is he somebody you collaborate with, or? Absolutely, absolutely. I haven't, I haven't figured out in what capacity, but you know, we've mm-hmm. talked about that definitely. Yeah, I, I really like Beans. She was probably one of my favorites because she, she could really rap. I mean, it was, it was a lot of people, and it was interesting because it was. I've checked out people's work since, and it was a lot mm-hmm. of people that kind of drop the ball in the cypher mm-hmm. or you know what i'm saying that are really dope you know mm-hmm. so it, it just facts. the you know cookie crumbled how it did facts facts and then continuing the momentum like like you were saying too um since the since the show stopped uh black habits you know what i mean that was a huge point in you continuing that momentum has there been any collaboration talk with maybe the judges like cardi b chance or ti reach out to you um I have a song coming up with one of them. You know, I'm not going to say who. Okay. Um, but y'all can look forward to that in the fall. No doubt, no doubt. And just and just out of curiosity, bro, because I feel like we're in similar, you know, generation and growing up in the golden era of hip-hop. Uh, I would just like to know personally your top five favorite rappers of all time. Top five of all time. All right, I'm going to go Andre 3000. Facts. Corrupt. Do you have my brother's number, sir? 
you call me. Uh, Andre 3000, Corrupt, mm-hmm. uh, Jay-Z. Then it always, the, the, the final ones, Andre 3000, Corrupt, Jay-Z. I'm going to go Snoop. Andre 3000, Jay-Z, Corrupt, Snoop. And... It's always that fifth one. It's the fifth one. Who do I get that last spot to? Ice Cube. Okay, facts, facts, man. And um, and shit. On- honestly, honestly. Um, speaking of the greatest rappers, if we move on to the new generation or the second renaissance of rap, right? You got Kendrick, Cole, and Drake. What everybody talks about, right? If you had to pick, if you had to pick your favorite album from each rapper, what would it be? Oh, uh, what's so funny? Uh, I like Friday Night Lights from Cole because I that's, think he was just he was just rapping. Yeah, I like Friday crazy. Night Lights. Um, Kendrick, I'm gonna have to go. Uh, Good Kid, Mad City. Okay. And what's what's crazy from Drake? I don't listen to Drake the same way. I listen to Drake songs at a time. You know what I'm saying? Singles at a time. I remember when Thank Me Later came out. I remember. Mm-hmm. So far I remember gone. Listening to. Yeah, so far, I remember, you know, moments that were just, like, huge. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, Cole and Kendrick, the way they rap made me want to listen to projects from beginning to end. You know, so, um, right. yeah, I'm going to have to go with those picks. But it, that's that's a hard question, man. You that, Those are, it's like they're writing books with projects, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, they almost kind of brought that back, you know what I mean? They were like, all right, well, it's mixtape era, I guess. People on that piff, people live mixtapes, Spinrilla. Let's let's put out a mixtape, but make it sound like an album. We don't got the funds for an album, but let's put that cohesiveness into these projects, right? Exactly. No Absolutely. Doubt, man. And uh, shit, what else, what else should we be on the lookout for? What else you got coming up? I got a project in the fall coming out. Um, I got a book within the next year or two that's going to come out. And... Um, and, and yeah, we will be touring, you know, so thanks, everybody thanks. stay tuned. No doubt. And then there's a fine line between raps and a poetry book. Have you thought about doing a poetry book, though? Um, I have I have a children's book that's written that rhymes. Um, and that's the parallel. That's English and Spanish. Then I have an actual novel that's written. Um, but I also thought about putting the lyrics to the projects in book form with like illustration and stuff, you know? So um, just thinking about some different things, but the, the novel is finished, the children's book is finished. It's just a matter of how it fits into what we're doing. Cause once we put it out, we want to really get behind it as its own body of work. No doubt, no doubt, man. And then what else, what else do you want to say to your fans? Um, I love y'all and I appreciate y'all. You know, um, my fans are super supportive, super active, you know, um, word of mouth is really working um, on my behalf, you know, so it's, it's so much love. I feel that and I still get the messages, you know, when people are really encouraging how needed, you know, this type of music is. So that's, uh, that's very encouraging because it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting. Facts, man. Facts, facts. Bet. So yeah, once again, I'm Proto Goat with Rap TV and this is Quarantine Questions. Make sure y'all hit that subscribe button and notification bell to stay up to date. We're dropping interviews all the time. Make sure y'all go get that Rap TV merch at rapart.com. Join our community by texting 908-341-0067. And as always, don't forget to smash that like button. And one last time, let's give it up for D Smoke, y'all. Salute. Good looking out, Proto Goat. My G. You can quarantine the body. She can't quarantine my soul.